You're listening to HSBC Talks Business. Learn how businesses like yours are leveraging a wide range of banking solutions to maximize their success and how HSBC is helping them. Listeners should note that this episode has been recorded remotely. Therefore, the sound quality may vary. Thank you for listening. Welcome to Inspiring Progressive Business, a podcast series for SMEs. Join us for insights from inspirational business leaders, entrepreneurs, and experts on key topics of importance to your business. Hello, and welcome to this session on how to succeed in e-commerce lessons from the experts. I'm Babita Sharma, and today I'm very pleased to say that I'm joined by Fiona Lau from Hong Kong Shopline. And we have Chaitanya Adapa from India's Udan e-commerce platform. It is going to be a jam-packed session for you, where we're going to be talking all about changes in consumer behavior, brought on, of course, by the pandemic. The challenges SMEs trying to break into e-commerce are facing at the moment, as well as, of course, top tips from our two experts on how you can succeed and grow in the space, and, of course, how you navigate it as well. So without any further delay, I'm really pleased to welcome Fiona and Chaitanya. Welcome to both of you. Thank you, Babita. It's a pleasure. Hi. It's great that you're both with us. And I know you've got so much knowledge to share with us. But before we get started, it'd be great if you can just tell us a little bit about yourselves and the two huge e-commerce platforms that you operate in and your roles within them. So Fiona, if I can start with you. Hi, my name is uh, Fiona. I am the co-founder and COO of Shopline. So Shopline is a smart commerce platform where we offer a lot of omni-channel solutions for many small to medium-sized businesses and some larger brands alike. And we support them with an ecosystem of services such as payment, logistics, and marketing services as well. So since starting in 2014, we've served over 300,000 merchants across Asia. We're focused on Greater China and Southeast Asia. And we are currently in eight markets in total. Wow. (laughs) A huge, huge organization there. Uh, Chaitanya, welcome. And if you can tell us about yourself as well, please. Sure, Babita. Hello, everyone. I'm Chaitanya from Udan. I lead the lending business at Udan. Uh, Just to introduce my company, Udan is an India-based e-commerce platform for retailers. Uh, What we do is we help retailers to conveniently procure a wide selection of goods at great prices. And we provide supply chain credit and other related support to make that happen. Till date, we have served more than 3 million retailers across the length and breadth of our country. And one of the things that we also do is provide working capital financing to our users. And this is uh, and this is the business that I lead. To date, uh, we operate in multiple categories. We help retailers in garments, in, uh, in grocery stores, electronics, and home and kitchen, so on and so forth. And uh, I'm really looking forward to share some of my learnings uh, that I've had by virtue of having a front row seat for DRC commerce landscapes evolution. So looking forward to this session. Yeah, we're very much looking forward to hearing from you as well. And I know Fiona will join me in uh, sending all our well wishes to all of the colleagues and team at Udan in India and to you and yourself and your family, because I know it's an incredibly challenging time with the pandemic really striking incredible like infection rates there in India. So our thoughts are with you. We will, of course, talk about the pandemic in, in business terms now. And Fiona, I really want to ask you first about consumer behavior. What, what have you really seen over the last decade? As 
and of course the effect of the pandemic because we can't really start this conversation without talking about that can we yeah so I think that if we rewind a little bit, when Shopline first started um, way back in 2014, um, I think that e-commerce online was just starting to take off. And I still remember at that time, we had to talk to a lot of different types of merchants who were a little bit skeptical. Should I go online now? I have a you know great offline business and et cetera, right? And then you fast forward to say 2019, the, the e-commerce penetration has been growing. And and the pandemic hit. And I think that it was, we had a flood of merchants that were coming to us. We're like, I need to get online fast because um, my offline business was suffering a lot from you know the lockdowns from the pandemic. And I think that this is actually really driven by consumer behavior because the consumers really wanted to shop online. And I think that we've seen this massive growth in the past year during the pandemic where you've seen e-commerce penetration in every single market and every single country shooting through the roof. Yeah, it's been quite something, hasn't it, to see how quickly that's accelerated. Just to get a point of view, Fiona, from you in Asia, uh, what kind of shift have you seen in the last few years in terms of behaviour there? I think that first is also the whole ecosystem where we talk a lot about, you know, what type of payment solutions that you have, how widespread smartphone usage has been, and a lot of different ways that merchants can do uh, marketing to reach out to the consumers, right? So I think that this part has seen a big change over the past five years. Chaitanya, it's interesting, isn't it, when Fiona's talking about really what's happened with them in the last sort of five years. But so much has changed, hasn't it, in terms of consumer behavior in that time? A lot, Babita. Here in India, uh, if you take the last decade, we have seen the comfort of the consumer to transact online uh, going up dramatically, both in terms of sheer numbers, in terms of you know the number of users who are participating in uh, e-commerce, as well as in the type of things that they're purchasing online. And for us, the lockdowns that we had in India last year was a fairly severe one, one of the most severe lockdowns that was put in place. We saw a large jump across the country in terms of adoption, the number of new users coming onto e-commerce, right? as well as the number of amount of consumption that existing users were doing on e-commerce purchases also went up. So we saw a large consumption shift. Gosh, I mean, it, it, it's trying to take stock of really what has been a fundamental shift in behavior, hasn't it? And indeed, the whole landscape has radically changed. Uh, Fiona, for you, when we talk about e-commerce, what springs to mind? Because for so many people, it can mean different things, can't it? Yeah, I think that for e-commerce, um, when we talk about it, it's, it's a lot of times, you know, doing that online purchase, right? But um, when we talk to a lot of um a lot of uh, retailers and merchants that we serve today, when they think of e-commerce now, it's it's not just the online component because they sell everywhere. So I think that the newer theme right now, some people might call it omni-channel or multi-channel. Um, it's how you reach your customers. Like how do you speak to your customers and not just selling them a product, right? So I think that this part is something that is really top of mind for us and also for our customers. So this whole experience, it's not just about, you know, online buying something, but it's creating a whole new customer journey for the merchant and for the customer. So I think that this is where commerce is definitely going to go in the future, where a lot of the focus is on the consumer experience and how the merchant can also capitalize on that. Again, when, when listening to you speak, I, I keep thinking about what's happened in the last 18 months or so. It's really hard to kind of shift away from that because there's been a huge opportunity for some. Do you think that businesses have responded well to the shift in you know, behavior and changes out there? I think SMBs are actually very versatile and they, they're very adaptive um, to changes in the environment. So I, I, I really give it to them for being very resilient and 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 welcoming to change, right? But I think that also in the past five years, we talked about a trend, you know, for the 
past um, 10 years and how many you know, consumers and merchants have become more digitalized, right? So I think that in the past year, what has, uh, what has really changed was that before perhaps um, you know, merchants could still have their offline stores and reach out to the consumers. But right now, everyone has embraced, you know, you know, people talk about social commerce, conversational commerce. It's basically interacting with your customers in, in another way. Try to find a way to talk to them that is we can mimic a face-to-face -face experience. So I think it also pushes e-commerce to the next level. Yeah, I mean, that need to respond really quickly. I mean, the next stage was going to be that. I think if anything has come to everybody sooner than expected. Um, Chitanya, what's your thoughts on that in terms of responding to a real rapid shift in behavior as well? Small businesses tend to be a lot more agile and uh, flexible in changing their ways than large businesses. That's been one of my largest learnings from seeing how our users responded to uh, the first wave of COVID uh, in the last 18 months, right? The level of resourcefulness that you would see from a small business owner right, to get back up and going is just incredible, right? It's just inspiring. But it's been amazing to see uh, the way the economy got rebooted after the lockdown, right? And what we have specifically seen is uh, retailers being a lot more smart about uh, what they procure, right? Being very contextualized about, uh, you know, masks, for example, right? Uh, sanitizers. And a lot of small retailers also starting home delivery services, right? Because again, the footfalls of the store may not be as strong as they were pre-pandemic. So they, they started serving customers at their homes. A lot of small retailers also stopped going to wholesale markets to make purchases, again, because of the pandemic. A lot of them shifted to platforms like Udan, and we have been one of the largest beneficiaries of uh, this shift, right? We started procuring from Mudan rather than going to another town or in a larger wholesale market to procure. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about the tough spots as well and the challenges. Let's just explore that a little bit more if we can, because research from Oliver Wyman shows the pain points for SMEs involved with e-commerce include sales and marketing, managing customers, suppliers, logistics, finance and cash management, to name but a few, but ultimately it's all about building a brand. So, Fiona, let me start with you. How do you think you know, businesses can overcome these particular pain points? I think that when a lot of merchants come to us, they're, um, especially for small to medium-sized businesses where they could be a five-man team or, or even less or a 10-man 10, 10 team, right? And they're really looking for a one-stop solution. So I think that in, in the past, you know, five to 10 years where there's a lot of payment gateways, logistic solutions, everything that you need to think about for e-commerce, um, at least at Shopline, we've been really focusing on the whole ecosystem where we're providing services out of the box for the merchant. And there's a lot of you know companies that offer these type of services to the to the merchants. So when you know when they think about this, it's not as daunting or scary than doing it on their own. So in thinking of that, the difficult so-called difficult stuff is being taken care of by you know a technology company or a platform. And where they can really put their efforts, we find is how do they you know. Who are the target customers? How should I brand my product? How should I do my branding and do my marketing? So I think that actually the bulk of the of the work that they do and you know the time they spend is eight, I think eighty percent is really on the part on the customers and and their product. Chatanya, I mean, would you agree with what Fiona said there in terms of how you overcome some of those obstacles that we might be facing at the moment? I completely agree with her. When you're selling online, I think the single largest focus for me would be to figure out what my niche is, right? What is, how is it that I'm differentiating myself uh, from this innumerable number of uh, suppliers and sellers out there in the, on the internet? So there's this whole ecosystem that's uh, getting built around 
uh, e-commerce platforms for easing the life of the seller. And uh, for a supplier to be successful, their single largest focus has to be how they differentiate themselves, what's the niche that they carve for themselves. And B, to make sure that if there is any negative experience that a customer has, uh, that they fix it as quickly as possible. As long as they take care of these two, uh, the ecosystem that's coming around uh, online commerce will take most of the other pains away that you mentioned in the report. Yeah, I think that's really good advice as well. And, and let's stay on that tip of advice because let's talk about e-commerce strategy. Advice in terms of what businesses should focus on when developing theirs and, and things that get overlooked. Chitanya, what, what for you do you think gets overlooked when we talk about implementing a strategy here? I think what online does, Sabita, is it explodes the reach of a business, right? And that changes the way you think about business strategy. And just to harp again on this prior point, to stand out in a marketplace like that, which is very fiercely competitive, uh, you have to have something that defines who you are as a business and that differentiates you from the rest of the pack. Right? You may take a small slice of the overall market that you are in, but within that slice, you have to deliver very, very strongly. Right? So if, for example, if you're selling a car and driving experience is your differentiating factor, then just go after that thin slice of market, which one's driving experience, and don't try to do everything, right? You will get lost in the crowd. It's a very large, competitive market out there. Fiona, for you, thinking about the strategy that uh, businesses are implementing, is there a, a do's and don'ts for you? I think that Chitanya was very spot on, actually, on the advice on how you think about e-commerce strategy. And it's actually very, very relevant for small to medium-sized businesses because sometimes, actually, SMBs do procure similar products. But how they really differentiate is their laser focus on their target customer. And I have a good example where I, um, during this pandemic, we had this new merchant, right? And then a lot of people were buying food online because they couldn't you know, go to the markets anymore. And she really created a business where she was actually eating a lot of you know, cup noodles and a lot of different snacks on her live stream, right? On social media. And that attracted a lot of people watching. And they're like, oh, um, she was having such a great experience, you know, enjoying this food. And she attracted a lot of people ordering from her. So I, I think that this is actually one type of differentiation. Like, what are your strengths? Every merchant has their own strength. For this merchant, her strength was to put herself out there and, and, and connect with her customers. So I think that there's a lot of do and don'ts, but I think that a lot of SMBs have to go out and try and figure out, you know, does this work for me? And I think that with a lot of trial and error, they can figure out what is their target customer and what is their differentiation in the market for sure. I love hearing those um, experiences, those real stories, actually. I mean, there's got to be a lot of inspirational stories out there, I hope. I mean, you spoke a little bit about the platform, thinking about that versus, you know, a standalone online store. Where do you stand on, on that, Chitanya? What are the benefits for you of selling, for example, through a platform compared to a store? I think it really depends upon what you're selling, right? It could yeah. be, you could do a platform, you could do a single store, or you could do both. You know, that option uh, does exist, right? And the two axes of differentiation between a platform and a single online store are one, customer acquisition, and two, trust. I'll elaborate a bit. On the customer acquisition front, platform does a lot of the heavy lifting that is required to bring users to your product, right? It does because it aggregates demand from a lot of other sellers, right? For a lot of other sellers and brings that to your to you, right? That's what a platform does. Uh, whereas if you're setting up a store by yourself, you may have to invest a lot more on search engine marketing or social media marketing to bring demand into your store. Right? 
Second, if you're launching for the first time a new brand, people, when they're buying from you, they may be a little anxious about whether the product would be right, whether it will reach on time, whether it will perform as it best or not. Now, when you're selling on a platform, the platform has done a lot of the heavy lifting of building trust in the user, right? So the user kind of trusts the platform to take care of things in, uh, if things were to go wrong. And uh, these are the two ways in which these two options differ. Yeah, okay. Well, that's, it's brought me on to a thought, and I'd love to get your views on this. And Finn, I'll start with you about omni-channel marketing and selling. You know, what does that really mean in the context of e-commerce? And by that, I mean, how can companies create efficiencies in their inventory and sales funnel through an omni-channel approach? What's your thoughts on that? A lot of times when we talk about e-commerce, there's a lot of fancy words we talk about. But at the end of the day, it goes back to the single customer. I think that you have to focus back on the customer. The channels are distribution channels where you could be online, offline, on platforms, on online store, just selling on social media. There's a lot of different types. But what um, the efficiencies that you're talking about or the biggest return on an investment is really figuring out where your customers are and develop that first direct relationship with them. As you guys know, like the advertising world changes really fast in the e-commerce world and small to medium-sized businesses have to adapt really fast. But if you have your own customer base, customer list, you know how to find them, whether they are on, you know, Instagram or Facebook or different places, right? Or, or they always find you on email. Once you establish that direct relationship, your omni-channel strategy can really take off. So I think that this is the area where brand shouldn't just focus on, hey, I'm going to open 10 channels just because that is the right thing to do in, in this age and time. But it's really to focus on what's right for you and find a way to interact with your consumers the best way. I think that should be the real focus overall. Of course, we can't though have this conversation, can we, without talking about logistics. And it can be incredibly complex for many and it can break the experience that you have with the customer at the other end of the chain. Chaitanya, Udan manages its own logistics. What advice do you have for firms that are managing their own infrastructure in that, in that way? So, Babita, you're right. It's, logistics is complex and it's very, very difficult to execute at scale. It's, it's a non-trivial problem. And at Udan, at least, we've tried to stay away from setting up our own logistics for as long as we could. For the first year, we tried to use existing logistics providers and try to deliver the experience and the speeds that we wanted to deliver. And we, we spent a lot of time deliberating about uh, building our own logistics because it tends to be very high on investment. Logistics is one area where you need to take a fairly long-term approach. Right? You need to invest, assuming that you're going to monetize that investment over the five, 10 year long period. And you also need a certain baseline scale to actually justify that investment. And that investment is something you should be prepared for. Yeah, thank you for sharing that with us. I think it's really interesting for many other businesses to kind of work out really if it's the right route that they should take. Uh, Fiona and Chitania, I'm just going to put you on the spot a little bit just to ask your one, just one piece of advice that uh, SMEs can have from you in terms of looking to begin their journey into e-commerce. What would that be, Fiona, your one piece of advice? If I had to uh, only choose one piece of advice, <laughs> I would I would tell any uh, SME that's looking to to venture into e-commerce is that don't be afraid, just try and do it. I think that it's a journey, it's a learning journey, and once you get started, I think that it will really take off. So don't think too much about you know oh what challenges I might face or can I make this successful or not. I really suggest you to just try it and then learn from the process. 
great advice. Thank you. Tanya, your one piece of advice? Oh, that's fantastic advice. That was mine as well. But I think a close <laughs> second for me would be... <laughs> uh, she had it spot on. I think Tiana was spot on on that one. Close second for me would be to be super obsessive about customer experience because the online world tends to amplify reputations very, very quickly, right? And it remembers it forever. Everything is stored forever. So be super obsessive about customer experience. It will help build your reputation very, very quickly. Good one. Brilliant. Thank you. That's really, really useful, actually. Okay, I just want to put some questions to you. This is to you, Fiona. How do you manage payment for future e-commerce? So I think that for merchants, it really depends on how the consumers view the payment methods. And I think that merchants go where consumers prefer in terms of payment methods. And you just have to adapt and follow how the whole payment landscape grows. And a lot of times it depends on every single country, whether they have, you know, different types of regulations and, you know, initiatives that they're driving. But I think that overall, in terms of the ecosystem, more development, more competition, more choices in the payment market is actually great for consumers because payment partners would actually do a lot to acquire new consumers. And that's that's actually a good thing for the merchants who are going online. Okay, we see e-marketplaces being dominated by a few marketplaces, for example, HKTV Mel at Hong Kong and Amazon in the US. How should small to medium sized businesses position themselves against the giant? I think that if you looked at how in the US, how e-commerce has developed, you know, over the years, and you can also look into Southeast Asia or even China, how has the whole landscape been um, in terms of development, there's always going to be marketplaces and there's always, and and because marketplaces are so competitive that it's really focused on, you know, say the top three or the top five marketplaces that that the consumers flock to, right? But an SME owner, I don't think that it's something to be really worried about because if you just look at the US, Amazon is dominant, but they don't take over half of the pie. I, I don't have the exact figure with me, but there's so many other options and there's so many other ways you can, you know, establish your brand in the market. And we talked about, you know, the whole omni-channel strategy, right? If it's right for you, you can build your own store, your own brand, at the same time be on a marketplace. It's actually a win-win, I think, for the SME if the platform is suitable for them. So I think that overall, the trend for every single type of market, you'll see these marketplaces coming up because this just makes sense, right, for the consumers. But for the SME yourself, you can think about your own strategy and make the best choices that are right for you. Thank you. May you suggest best practices to improve customer service support. Now, customer service support is key, isn't it, in terms of the user experience. So, Jitanya, again, advice from you about how to improve the best practices there. A couple of core principles work best for uh, for customer service, right? A, to know that you will not be able to define a process for every possible customer issue that's going to come up. Right? So, there are going to be new customer issues that are going to come at you. So, one being open and not being stuck too much to a certain process to solve a customer's problem. And B, whenever you see a new customer issue coming in, right, being able to solve that particular issue, but also creating a process so that the next time the same issue comes in, you or your teams are ready to solve that very, very quickly. And being able to create that knowledge base of those processes. These are the two things, foundations for being able to build a customer service operation that scales along with the business. Fiona? Yeah, I think that I really agree on the obsession on the customer because 
whether your business can take off really depends on how the customer, you know, experiences with you and especially, you know, new customers and also returning customers. Because I think that we talked um, a little bit about data. We talked a little bit about CRM, customer relationship management, right? What really matters to the brand is a repeat customer. And you would look into the whole lifetime value of, you know, a customer coming back to you because they think that, you know, your products are great, your service is great. And if they think it's great, it's really not just because they bought one product from you. It's the experience they had. And a lot of times the experience is not how they experience your whole website, but it's really about, oh, I faced an issue and are you really trying to help me? Or are you just giving me some standard answers so that I can go away? Mm -hmm. So I think that every single person has a lot of different types of experience as a consumer, you know, bad experiences, good experiences. So for a lot of SMEs, I think that how you respond to customer questions and dealing with problems, I think that part a lot of consumers can feel whether you care about them. And if you do care about them, they're bound to come back and you can see a really good business with a very high uh, returning customer rate that we can see. Um, this is a kind of crystal ball question. Uh, I love these ones. Um, and it's an important one. The pandemic has certainly accelerated e-com adoption. What do you foresee happening next? Fiona? I think that the e-commerce penetration is going to stay up because we saw a lot of consumers that were just very skeptical of e-commerce and just never shopped online, right? But then because of this pandemic, they had to. They had to get use a credit card online or, you know, get a try to use a wallet and, and et cetera, right? And so that was sort of like a trial experience for them. And a lot of them actually had good experiences. So they were just really worried about nothing. So I think that even after the pandemic, a lot of consumers, you know, got exposed to online and they're here to stay. Okay, and um, this question is to you, Chaitanya. It says, how e-commerce startups should do trade-off with growth or speed versus customer experience uh, specific to India? It's not a trade-off. I think if, if one is seeing that as a trade-off, then there is fundamentally something wrong. One cannot have scale and growth on the back of uh, poor customer experience. Right? You may have it temporarily for a few quarters, but it will come back to bite you sooner or later. So... In my head, it's not a trade-off. You have to grow with the right levels of customer experience being delivered all through the growth stage. The moment we once starts to see it as a trade-off and starts to, you know, go towards growth, that growth tends to be shallow, and it comes and uh, you will lose it at some point in the future, a few quarters down the line. Okay, thank you. Um, to Fiona and Chaitanya, thank you so much for being with us and the time you've taken out to uh, share your insights uh, with us. It's been really interesting listening to your stories and your tips, and I'm sure everybody really appreciates uh, the advice that you've given. So thank you very much. And I do hope you have enjoyed this session as well, that you've been inspired to find out more about e-commerce and growing your reach online. It's a challenging space out there, but as Fiona and Chaitanya were saying, it's all about emphasizing the customer experience and making sure that that is at the heart of whatever business undertaking that you decide uh, to choose. But uh, listen, I wish you the very best of luck out there. Stay safe. And I hope that you continue to join us for more great discussions on how we can take your business to the next level at HSBC. Goodbye. This has been a special production of our inspiring progressive business mini series. There will be more episodes focusing on a number of different topics, such as starting your green journey, being cyber resilient, and how having a purpose-led mindset could benefit your business. Please listen out for those. Thank you for joining us for HSBC Talks Business. To learn more about anything you heard today, please visit business.hsbc.com.